Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey guys, it's Malls here with another Please Advise mini app. Today we're going to do something awesome with our friend Jason Shapiro, a.k.a. Jaso Shapipi on Snappy. Uh, you might remember him from the episode entitled Weed Water. Jason, what up? Hey, how's it going, Malls? Hey, Please Advise Nation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Always a pleasure, for real. Uh, so basically, Jason's never really seen Real Housewives of New York. Have you seen any of the Real Housewives franchises? I've seen some of Real Housewives of Orange County and Beverly Hills. Um, familiar with the world, just haven't seen this iteration. So a lot of you have been asking us to talk about this season of Real Housewives of New York City because it is insane. It's probably the best season ever, um, at least the best season in a really long time. The ratings are up, which the show had been struggling with previously. So well, we're definitely going to have on someone like Ed, if not definitely Ed. I mean, who better than Ed to discuss this season of Real Housewives of New York City later? First, I thought it'd be important. We're at a very crucial point in the season to see what an outsider who has a uh, discerning but also feminist eye. Uh, what he would what he would think of a show and, and kind of we're going to do a little recap for you. So we're going to watch the show and then we'll be back. I'm so excited to dive into this rabbit hole. Yeah, um, me too. Let me dive with you, friend. Okay, guys, so Jason and I just finished Real Housewives of New York Season 8, Episode 11, Unhappy Holidays, which was, I thought, a, a good episode for someone to see who hasn't started watching this season now obviously episode seven with ray the coked out guy and the dry cleaner would have been like probably peak drama to introduce him to but this was a good episode in terms of getting a feel of the show and the women and where they're at in their lives right now because there was a lot of bows being put on things there was a lot of new drama being stirred up and there was a lot of uh reintroduction of drama in a new way, specifically Sonia and Bethany having to avoid each other at the end of the episode. I want to hear what Jason thought about, we're going to go scene by scene, talk about all of the women. Uh, but I want to hear Jason, what you thought overall about the episode. I found it really interesting. Um, I went in just kind of knowing about Bethany and I had an idea of who I thought she was. And I knew a bit about skinny girl as a brand and so getting more insight into her was really interesting because... Do you mind if I ask, sorry, how you know about Bethany? Just from, I think, watching in passing and seeing it on in the background places, E, just the skinny girl brand, I think. Yeah. So I was aware of Bethany Frankel. Um, and I think I just saw her very different after watching this. She overall just came off as a bully to me after watching this. And so that was interesting to see. And I found the dynamics really interesting in the frame of knowing that this is a 
long running reality show, right? It's- yeah, I mean, it's season eight, which I think is it's outside of, I mean, OC, I think it's the longest running Bravo reality show in um, New York has this, uh, I mean, New York has distinctions to it. I'm not really sure what it is, but I think the main number one thing is that the women in the show on the show are actually genuinely rich um, and from either new money or superior bloodlines of some type, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's interesting to watch knowing that because they're, a lot of them clearly are not friends anymore. And it's almost like they know each other all too well and they're coworkers in a sense that really have to air everything out. And so that's what I found most intriguing about it was that you get to see how group dynamics work when you're actually speaking your mind all the time and probably going way too far. And you really get to see reality distortion under a magnifying glass. I mean, absolutely. I definitely point to the fact that Bethany as a businesswoman clearly approaches the show as a businesswoman. I don't think there's any um, disillusion that time is money in her world. And I think that she is like, you know what? I'm going to show up a little bit late to this party. I'm going to rail it in in two hours. I'm going to hit my marks for two hours straight. I'm going to retire to my bedroom at, at uh, Ramona said 9 p.m. Wakes up early the next morning, leaves. Like, is she le- like, it's like a prostitute. She went and did her job. And like that, that is not, by the way, that's not like haterism. That's just, I think she's hitting these marks as an efficient, mentally well person would. But what's lost in translation is that this is ultimately supposed to be a show that was based on women being friends. I really think that Bethany is doing this like, pick up, drop off, efficiency thing, but it's not reading because the basis of this show is that they are somehow friends or uh, compatriots or even peers in some sort of way. And it's so, you know, that's something that the show has been passed for a really long time with Twitter and everything being what it is and with social media and with them having become media stars themselves and never really being able to acknowledge that. Um, you know, I think that they... Taught, they showed Sonia getting her name written about in the post because that is very New York society pages, uh, a la like Alex and Simon on season one. But I mean, outside of like appearing on a local like Hamptons magazine or um, being in a New York society page, they don't really show the scope of these women's fame. And so a lot of that is lost in the mix. Um, and we all know of Bethany and her skinny girl brand and everything else, but there's not, I mean, you know, with most businesses, there's not as much as transparency as you get with Bethany. And then she starts to have to put up a wall and it seems weird in this, in this environment, which I actually, you know, I feel two ways about it. I feel like she runs in and she does her job and she drops off the drama and picks up what she needs to. And like, it's a very smooth operation, but, uh, you know, in the process of that, she's either going to gain or lose a million fans. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I, it's interesting because I think with this being the first episode that I watched and just going in thinking this is a show about a group of friends, which it sounds like it started out that way and is not so much that way anymore. I'm coming at this looking at it in a much more macro sense, I think, and big picture, which was interesting to me because when I saw behavior like that from Bethany, where she was leaving um, 
Dorinda's house early the next morning. And, you know, at the end when uh, Sonia was coming up to talk to her and she kind of just walked away. Yeah. I saw that really as, you know, for better, or for worse, no judgment, like pr- a pretty cowardly act. If that's your friend of really not facing, you know, whatever you have to talk to head on. But I, I understand that now after hearing this from you, that maybe she's just totally over it. And this is, she doesn't even look at this as a friend relationship anymore. Right. No, I mean, that's never been, I think, I think that Bethany realized, I think, especially after the end of the demise of her friendship with Jill Zarin, there is a roller coaster that these real housewives go through, you know, season one, they come on, they're, they're doing their own makeup and hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're like proud to show off their homes that they clean and decorate themselves. Season two, maybe one of them has a nose job. They definitely all have seen hair consultants in the meantime, half of them have extensions and like their makeup is on point every day. It's like these housewives, every season, they become more and more self-aware and they, and you know, by proxy become bigger and bigger caricatures of themselves and stronger and stronger brands. Um, and so You know, I think that at the end of the day, if Bethany and all of those housewives were left on an island together, I think someone like Luann is someone she would keep around um, because you have, I think that Bethany does respect her hustle, but Bethany, from what I understand, is a lot like me in that, like, I've worked for options. Like, I've worked so that I don't have to do certain things that people tell me what I have to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what Bethany's worked for. I think she thinks she's worked so that she can walk out of a party and be, you know, yeah. I did my, I, I stamped my time clock. I'm walking out. And it's interesting to see that I, it felt like there were three or four of these women who truly in their hearts believe that they're the stars of the show. And then there were a few others in, in the cast of characters that, really felt like they were uh, the the true side character. Like I found the um, the Bethany and Carol relationship really interesting. Yeah, I think it's codependent and weird. I mean, Carol's always weirded me out. I'm just going to be honest. A lot of people love her because they think she's cool. But like, you know, Carol's in her 50s and she has a staircase in, in her, like she has a floating staircase in her New York City apartment. And I'm like, that's just like on an economical level, not intelligent. Like you're trying to be chic and design set ready, but let's face it, you're going to need a railing put in there in five years, but you don't want, you would rather feel like a sexy 20 year old walking up to your bedroom. I'm probably drunk. They're all on Coke. It's not you know? smart. It, it actually hearing that really scares me for her. So let's get into the actual episode itself. Okay. Great. Wait, and wait, I want to know who are, do you feel are the women that pull themselves as like refer to themselves mentally as a star? Definitely. I mean, Bethany, obviously, um, Luann and in a weird way, Sonia a little bit. Well, Sonia. Yeah. No, she's very great gardens. I'll show you a mug. I had the, like when I'm downstairs, it's like, um, staunch, staunch girl. Like, it's like a skinny girl, but it's like great girl. Anyway, staunch character. Anyway, (laughs) 
Uh, so we start off this episode with uh, Luann and Bethany confronting one another in the kitchen. Luann is basically, she's just been ripped in, like a new asshole by Dorinda saying like, stop making fun of my cake. Stop making fun of the cake my mother made me. Like you're being completely inappropriate. And it was obvious that Luann was down in the kitchen trying to create a scene around herself. Ramona was like beating a rag on the table and like acting like unlike Ramona we've ever really seen before except when she's in desperate manic like desperate manic moments um so there was that and like in in that moment I felt uh that Luann was so rude to Carol did you pick what did you pick up how did you feel about that as someone who doesn't know the background of Luann and Carol yeah I, I that it seemed really strange to me right off the bat that this was a dinner party. I was confused going in because it felt like a dinner party that no one wanted to be at, which is already a strange thing to see. And then it really did feel like the digs were coming in right away. And you could see, or I I felt like right off the bat, which seems to be right, is that Carol and Bethany had a clear agenda going in um, talking to Luann and yeah, it was, it, it was interesting to see and it felt very unnatural. But, so I just felt honestly that though, that Luann's digs back at Carol were so trifling. Like when she was like, what are you, the narrator? Like it seemed that Carol, I mean, it seemed that, you know, Carol definitely is someone who considers herself above board. I don't like the fact that she clearly considers herself to be someone who's above the cast of the show that she's on on television. Um, and the only person that she really engages socially and on in an authentic level is let's say uh, Bethany or maybe Dorinda, uh, although it seems like she has some shade to throw at Dorinda from time to time. I actually oddly felt for Carol in the moment that the Wan started to throw shade at her because I uh, I generally don't like her. Yeah, it actually, it seemed like Carol was starting to be bullied a little bit in that moment. Like I remember specifically she was sort of like speaking under her breath in a very a little bit of a more timid way. And then that's when it felt like things turned for me a little bit when it turned more into a gang up with Bethany and Carol. But can we say that, like, please advise, talking under your breath during a situation is, like, the rudest thing you can do and the most passive-aggressive thing you can do? Like, I so dislike that as just a human being. Yes. Not even, like, in a in a Real Housewives watcher. Ooh, Wags, it's okay. Sorry, you guys. I have a crazy dog factory over here. The number one worst thing you can do, in my mind, is talk under your breath and try to change up the conversation via insignificant error. Yeah, and that what it points to totally for me in this situation is someone just completely living in their own world and that's what's so interesting about seeing these women interact with each other in this situation because they're all living in their own world but they're really trying to get their point across and Bethany is is trying to make a big statement to Luann and she's trying to I don't even know if she's trying to clear the air about something. She's just kind of trying to prove a point. And they're all trying to prove their own, their own point, being very honest about it, but really not taking any of it in, it felt like. So 
I well, first of all, I completely agree with you. And that said, it's like I want to move on to the people that I think are doing the show right because I think that the, everyone in that room, Luann, Carol, Bethany, you're dealing with such egos that like no one's really open to anyone else's point of view. Like you're waiting for that point where the three separate points somehow braid together, but there's never going to be like some sort of completion where they fully are a unit because they just can't. They're all rigid. They're too rigid in their beliefs. So this is why I, I noticed you loved Jules. You loved yes. a Jew and an Asian walked into a bar and then yeah. they had me. She actually was my favorite to watch in this episode because I just got the impression that she wanted to stay away from the drama in this situation. And she was just enjoying a a little vacation, which was cool. She was really not starting any shit. She was really honest about how much she enjoyed just being there, not having the responsibilities of being a parent for the day. There was a potential like health crisis in the family, which I think they always make you exaggerate a little bit uh, on on camera. Where like when <laughs> when Jules is like, I just got off the phone with the doctor who's dealing with my with my father, and Luann's like, I just can't believe they called me a slut. Like that is, I mean, that really made me feel for Jules. Jules has not had a lot of great moments. She's done a lot of age shaming shaming on the season, like saying, you know, like oh you're upset because you're menopausal, blah blah blah. Uh, one thing you didn't see on this episode, one part they cut out was that her nanny didn't just quit. Her nanny like took the Christmas bonus, signed on for, you know, uh, quote unquote, signed on, I guess, by. I mean, I don't know. It was a lie of omission. Like, I, I think they figured she was going to stay on and then just left. Um, so I did feel for her for not having a nanny. I love that she got 24 hours to herself. I hate that her kids are called Jagger and Rio. That really upsets me. Um, but Jules was delightful in this episode. And that's, I also want to say, I love Dorinda and Dorinda is someone that I've, I spend a lot of time with mentally and emotionally because she represents a lot of things to me. Dorinda is someone who is in a lot of pain. Um, what you didn't see in this episode is that she has a boyfriend, John Medassian, who owns a very famous Madame Paulette. It's a very famous dry cleaner in New York. It's where people like designers take their gowns for, for, fashion week uh like they 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 can reconstruct any gown um and it's based yeah so and and so she's dating him and he's like different from the group and that like as she says like he's a loud armenian guy he's very affectionate he's very like you know he loves his woman um he wants pda all the time and um you know, at the same time, they're from different sides of the tracks. You know, Dorinda is from a working class home in Massachusetts, but immediately married into sort of a British, um, I mean, I would say aristocracy is too high of a word, but it was like, you know, a wealthy British family. And then divorced, she had a beautiful daughter, divorced, and then remarried a very famous professor, Richard Medley, who passed away. Uh, about four years ago, according to Dorinda. And John and Dorinda started dating like six months after Professor Medley died, Dr. Medley died. And like I, as a person who has like, you know, like family, intellectuals, professors in the family, like I, and knowing also being the Massachusetts connection and everything else, I feel very, very, very close to Dorinda in that like I, understand what it's like when you have a partner who's self-aware and confident and intellectually sound enough that they can say to you like 
You've given me an amazing life. I'm about to die. I want you to enjoy the rest of your life. Dorinda sold his geopolitics company, like geopolitical company. And like he was working with the Clintons. They're still very involved. And like, you know, she sold his company and she's doing the best she can. She's dating a guy that treats her like in her mind like gold. You know, do they maybe party too much? Sure. Do they come off gaudy in public? Absolutely. Is John possibly a complete social liability? He definitely is. But the reality of it is, is that they, she is, she's ride or die with him because he has comforted her during a nightmare that she could not have anticipated in her life she'd have to live through. And so therefore she is like, you know, recklessly defensive of him. And I, I can't, blame her for that because at the end of the day what I think she's um honoring is not her relationship with John but her relationship with Richard and his desire for her to seek happiness and uh move out into the world with confidence and you know this is a lot for her being on the show um going from being the wife of a professor you know having dinner with the Clintons to being on the Real Housewives Dorinda has it all she's the real deal that's interesting to hear because I definitely could get a sense that she was really just trying to soak up the fun of the night that clearly wasn't there. Like when Santa Claus came in, I, I thought that was a really... Her sister. Yeah. And I I found that really sweet, but also sad. Yeah. Um, it was nice. She was trying to do something fun. It was very sad that... Bethany and maybe Carol just seemed laser focused on making the night about whatever they wanted to. And so Santa just kind of came and left and Dorinda only later was like, that's my sister. Like, Can I throw something out? Because there's two things here. One, any normal person who doesn't think that's adorable like and awesome is is fucked up. But at the same time, I wonder if Bethany and Carol and their business minded heads, you know, I don't know what Carol, I don't know what the fuck Carol's thinking, but like maybe Bethany. And, and, and by the way, I don't know if I agree with this because a lot of women say like, oh, I do everything for my kid. And so therefore it's an excuse to act like a fucking cunt. But like, which she, you know, which she did. But like, I think that she's like, I want to spend as few hours as possible Devoted to this shit, I'm going to come in, drop a bomb for two hours straight, like literally obliterate the house for two hours. So they're on, they're on two different shows emotionally. Yeah, definitely. And that, yeah, it, it's you, very apparent in that. You can feel that. And I was just in the moment, I was just kind of sad for her sister because it was like a fun thing that everyone was just kind of like, Get oh, does Santa out. have a vagina? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, does she have a vagina? It's like, you're like, have some fun. Up. Just be in the moment for one second because exactly. I am in the moment. She had a vagina. Like, it's like, no, Bethany, just be a nice person. And the spirit of the holidays, like this is clearly a bit Dorinda is doing. That's not uncommon around the holidays where Santa's coming in and giving you individually made wine glasses and, like, and then you have to sit there and shit on the fact that each wine glass can hold an entire bottle. Well, like, let's just say they're probably for display to begin with. Yeah. So this you're a part of this franchise and this franchise has, for better, or for worse, helped you in your career and given you some things in your career. It seems like maybe some opportunities that you didn't have before. And then in the eighth or ninth season, I'm not sure what it is, but to act like you're above it all is really just not a good look. 
Well, here's the thing is that Bethany has claimed the internet's um, like meme of three summers ago, uh, zero fucks given. Like she's like this summer, zero fucks, no fucks. I give zero fucks. And like that's the intro to her, you know, Radio Andy show. And like I love Bethany. I listen every week. Do I think she's possibly a low key Trump supporter? Yeah. Like, do I think that Bethany, like, ah, uh, yeah. Like, I think that Bethany can go over the line in a way I don't like. Does she remind me, like, when I see her, um, possibly, you know, mentally abusing someone like Jules, like when I see her abusing someone like that, who's such an easy target to not do that to, because it's about her end game. Like, does that, does that really, really upset me? Yeah, that hurts me. But not, and, and that's not like a feminism issue. Cause some people would say if a man did that, no, I just don't think men should do, men should do yeah. that either. I think it's despicable when anyone treats anyone like that. Yeah. And, um, a lot of times people point to like, Real Housewives being like, oh, well, you know, this is just such a bad example of women. This is just such a bad example of what humans act like when they're together. This is the Stanford prison experiment. It is possible to take a group of any normal people, say you're going to be special for a day and be in this room and something interesting is going to happen and they're going to want to do it. And, and my God, like the shit that happens when you can, anyway, that's a please advice. Yeah. Don't listen to anyone. I don't I don't believe this says anything about gender. I think this really shows people that are truly buying into their own story and people that are so Bethany's thinking about Bethany 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and I can't blame her for that because she's selling herself. She is her business. At the same time, I think it's really probably hurting every relationship in her life in some way because she's just buying into herself at all times. Speaking of buying things, can we talk about Sonia's care package for her daughter? Yeah, I thought that was really sweet. And I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit in talking about Sonia in the episode, but I think the care package... The care package just spoke volumes to me about where Sonia's at right now. I I felt so bad for her. I felt like she is feeling really alone. I got a couple care packages like that from a single mom before. I'm like, you know, my mom still lies to me about having sent Christmas presents out to me this year. She's not broke. She just hates me. Uh, (laughs) We're fine. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm saying that I think that she you know, feels conflicted. She's really, Sonia's really had a lot of problems with money and her ex-husband is a very wealthy man who probably pays for her daughter Quincy's uh, Amazon Prime. And she's like, well, she has Amazon Prime. She can get anything she wants, but she has to put together a package for mom. So what does that look like? I thought that was sweet. Um, my In my experience being at camp, I got a lot of care packages from my parents, which was really nice. And in college and still, my mom will usually like send me a nice little care package once a year, maybe around Valentine's Day. And as far, you know, away from home as you go, like as old as you get, it's still a really, really nice thing. And so right away, this is my first introduction to Sonia. I was like, this, this is a nice thing. She seems like a really nice woman. And It also, you know, she said right away how she was feeling lonely. And then I saw that throughout the whole episode with her where it's really like the big headline for Sonia is like 
she's feeling all alone in the world and she's feeling like no one has her back. Well, can we just discuss quickly like the Grey Gardens element with Sonia, which is that like she's putting together a care package for her daughter. And I think the average mom would go to Dwayne Reed and put aside $20 and say like, I mean, a nail polish, a bag of popcorn, a, you know, a pair of flip flops and a magazine, you know, that's nice. And I think that, you know, that's what Sonia should have done. Maybe they, you know, the, the setup for the scene was you need to do something for your daughter away at school. But, um, it, it bummed me out that we couldn't see something that didn't look like Sonia being a broke person digging through her piles of free shit she's gotten yes. from internet hookups and put it in a box for her daughter. I hear that. And I think that without um, background knowledge, I think I didn't think about that. But what it said to me, which maybe there's some truth here and maybe this will say something, is that she also was putting more time and energy into it than I think a lot of parents would. Just not going through CVS and dropping the four things. She's like, what can she use for this? I actually, those washcloths that she said, like, just use it and throw it away. I'm dying to know what they are. I bet you can get them on Amazon for like 40 cents a piece. Yeah, and she was putting, she was spending a lot of time on this and really making a meal of this and her in you know using her interns to help her out and if i was one of her interns i probably would have said just go to fucking cvs like you're saying but i just get the impression that sonia is using some of this to block some of the other stuff that's going on in her head and i i saw later that she has this big problem with bethany and this is a bit of an escape for Sonia as well. Like, I mean, Sonia has been going through a really rough time for a long time. Like last year, she was trying to launch her quote unquote international lifestyle brand on the heels of a movie she made with John Travolta that fell through. Um, she got sued for $7 million. She was in a chapter 11. I mean, Sonia has not had it easy. And while she's had all of this, she you know, has been, you know, drinking and partying and I think leaning on that. And I think that, that is like a consistent thing for her where she's like, well, no, like, I mean, I don't drink. It's just like this chapter 11. Well, yeah, and it's I- like, no, just admit it. Like you just like, and I think that was what Bethany's breaking point was with Luam when, you know, Bethany was really like, just admit it. Like you fuck guys that, you fuck guys that, but like other chicks, you know, have claimed. And like Luann came out with a single last year called Girl Code, Don't Be All On Cool, which references my tank top right now. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically like I was thinking like Bethany was coming in to defend Ramona right away. That really reminded me a lot of like that situation. What did you think about the, like Bethany basically losing it on behalf of Ramona? Do you think that it was really about Ramona or do you think that Bethany just saw that as the crux of like the whole in Luann's argument? It felt like Bethany just had a vendetta against Luann. And so I really think using someone else's situation and speaking for her in that way just was more, furthering her own agenda of really just ripping this woman apart. 
Um, and I guess I don't know exactly why she's doing that. So but. Bethany, I wrote here, Bethany lays out that Luann has a reputation for man stealing and questionable sex partners and a wild life she won't admit to. So basically, she's just saying, just admit what you are. Uh, Bethany also was saying the same thing to Sonia with the business thing, which is just admit what you are. Like, you're stupid and you're... Like she was saying stupid, she's saying you're stupid and or, you know, you're a stupid girl or you're a drunk girl or you're whatever else. But you're not like a tipsy girl. Like just admit what you are and I will be with you. Well, yeah, then I think to me that's just saying it's as easy as Bethany just needing to be right and needing to hear someone speak back to her. She's right. Well, and Bethany has also had her life put on the tabloid, put out in the tabloids in a way that these other women haven't. And a lot of these women operate from a place of what's on camera is on camera. And that's what we work with this fodder. And then, uh, you know, uh, and, and what happens off camera is stuff that we keep secret. Like, for example, that Luann is a squirter or like, for example, that, Dorinda said our Dorinda's boyfriend said he takes Viagra and fucks her for six hours every night until six in the morning. Um, like those things were said off camera and then said on camera this year. And I think Bethany, because she is her life is so saturated in the off camera world, she can't help but bring up all these off camera things. That's I mean, that's shocking to hear. That's I don't even know. That's. Um, I, I, I'm kind of speechless on that one. No, well, something I know you're not speechless about. I have Jason loves the kosher lasagna, like written down. Like, I thought that was funny. I thought it was really funny that Jules is really, really makes her Judaism part of her identity, at least in this episode. And I respect that. No, that's her whole thing is I didn't want to tell you before, but her whole thing is that she is both. Asian and 100% Jewish at all times. And so everything she does is like kosher and Asian. So like if she's carrying a backpack or a fanny pack, it's because she's Asian. If uh, she's eating, uh, if she's not, if she's at a table with shrimp, it's like, it's like a terrible thing because she's Jewish. Like everything is, so they all make fun of her for this. But I actually was delighted to see that you think it's delightful because they all hang a lantern on it because they know that that's her thing that they can make fun of her for. But I actually don't find it that, especially living in LA or in Boston, that unusual. No, no, I think, yeah, for better or for worse, she's making it a part of who she is. And I think as long as it's um, not used for the wrong reasons, I'm all, I'm all for it. I would eat kosher lasagna. I don't keep kosher, but I'd eat it. So wait, so what did you think about the next morning when Bethany and Carol woke up in bed and they were looking at each other and just basically being like, if anyone, if any, if this was in any real world... And any, because I thought I found this to be a very, this should have been off camera sort of situation where they really seem to be diagnosing what's wrong in the Real Housewives world that they just reconvene and act normal and make bacon and eggs after a night of screaming that each other are a whore and outing each other's sex secrets. Like, I felt that that's what they were getting across in this situation. What did you think about Bethany and Carol in this, like, morning? Well, it was it was confusing because I see Bethany being self-aware about how horrible behavior that might be. And I hear her saying things like, that's not who I want to be. And that's not 
who I am, but I'm sorry, that's how you're acting. Like you can have. Well, that's where that speaks to me about the efficiency of Bethany in this season and where it's getting lost in between. It's like, she's like, I have to go in and I have to say this thing and I have to be really clear about it. Cause I have to like stick my marks in a certain amount of time, but like, that's not going to read well. And it's like, yeah, it's like you have to be on a reality TV show and pretend that your life on this reality TV show is your life, or you need to be like a brand megastar. And I think that there can be both, but like it's either on Bravo to stop lying about the production uh, and the way that Teen Mom did, where they just start to show the producers and cameras eventually and admit how this whole thing is created, or they need to... Uh, you know, Bethany needs to pretend that she has less. She needs to get she needs to have a more authentic reaction as if she wasn't just in there to like punch a time card. Yeah, that that's what I found very confusing is the clear blurring of the lines between reality and the TV show. And. Yeah, it was like she was being it was like she was commenting on her character, which it is a strange thing. And I haven't really seen that on a reality TV show because, you know, my biggest reference point for reality TV is keeping up with the Kardashians. And I think they do such an amazing job of maintaining their personality through yeah. all social media, through everything. So whether that's who they are in real life or not, we're just seeing really one projection of who they are. Yeah. I felt like I was seeing three different Bethany's all in one episode. Yeah, I mean, and that's the reality of it is, is that Bethany went from being the lowest on the totem pole to being the ultimate. And where is that balance in between? I think that Carol was right in the end when she said that ultimately, like, you know, Sonia was just looking for a little bit of cash. Like she, you know, at the end of the day, Bethany knows that like she wasn't trying to run some sort of crazy game on her. And I was pleased with Carol for once because I felt that that was an, a very honest reaction that was fair. And um, it didn't come from a place of that sort of like, uh, I guess, high society judgment that Carol normally comes from. It seemed to me that she had, uh, some respect for Sonia's more working class struggles right now. Yeah, and it's interesting because you really see just in this episode, I can see Bethany putting up this like metaphorical castle and saying, don't infringe on the things that I'm doing. And it, it's, she is trying to protect this empire that she's built for herself. But exactly like Carol said, she wasn't really like Sonia wasn't really thinking about her. But well, here's the other thing at the same time. Sonia wasn't thinking about her. But in the moment that we were at that cocktail party at the end where Bethany started to uh, disengage because of Sonia and then she left. Like I immediately agreed with Sonia when she said like, what is what am I supposed to do? Like chase her down the street? Yeah, that is. What in and it bummed me out because I wrote Ramona orchestrated this like at the top of the page was everyone was talking about how oh it's so great that Ramona put this night together but what Ramona did as the person who Bethany still to this day especially if you listen to her serious show she really only claims she's close to Carol and Ramona um, 
I think that Ramona knew that this would be this way for Sonia. And Sonia in that moment did what she could to save herself and said, well, while I'm already here and pissing her off, like, why don't I just take off, like, my main business now, like, stay away from her. I'm not going to make it worse. Like, she was right. And any friend that's like, when they, this is a please advise in here. If you have a gut instinct that you need to walk away for whatever reason and you have friends who are pushing you to not do it, consider whether or not they have your best interests in mind. Because right now it seems like a lot of these people are just, every time Sonia tries to make herself safe, they make her dangerous. And Sonia never claimed to be anything she's not. Uh, she's very, she was a sitting duck and I think she remains a sitting duck and that makes me very sad. Can I have one please advise moment too, which yeah. that made me think of? Whatever game you're out there playing, you can't have it on your own terms. You're either playing the game or you're not playing the game. There's not an in-between. Bethany can't really eviscerate these women and then just leave the next day and not deal with the consequences. That's what I really respected about Sonia. Sonia was there being brave. She was trying to walk right up to her and probably knowing perfectly well that she could have just gotten chewed out, but like yeah. she bravely just kind of tried to go for it. And, you know, Bethany did the thing of just looking at her phone and like getting the hell out of there. And Bethany just feels like she's trying to play her version of the game and not really fully be involved. Okay. Well, okay. So this is very exciting. We're nearing the end of the episode. I just want to do with you some like fast qu- like questions. Okay. One, who do you think is the MVP of this episode? I would give it to Jules personally. She stayed out of the drama and I just, I enjoyed every minute with her. Out of these women, which one would you most want to be your BFF? Probably... Maybe Carol. Carol would just be down. Carol would be down for whatever. She'd go with the flow. She's kind of a follower, it feels like. Who do you think is going to come out victorious at the end of the season? Bethany. She's just, she's cutthroat. She just always comes out victorious, which will be interesting because I heard that now they made her an executive producer, which means she'll never not. Yeah, she's she's the star of the show, and I just hope that she plays the game a little more. I hope she plays ball. Which one of the housewives do you think about the most when you're driving in traffic? Probably Dorinda. Really? Yeah, after you were talking about that, I have a lot of sadness and I I probably will just be thinking like, how's she doing? How's she coping? And yeah. I really love Dorinda. I think you would enjoy her. Well, I would love to have you back in a couple weeks to do another mini app. I think I'm going to get Ed in here to do some serious diagnostic long-term stuff. But this was a really good mini app. I had a great time watching it. I think that I'll probably watch another episode, and I'd, I'd love to come back. Oh, my God. Jace, you're the best. Thanks so much. Thank you, Moss. Had a good time. Bye.